This is the Out and Offbeat podcast. All right. Well, we are lucky enough to have a, a guest host here. Our good buddy Steve Hamilton is sitting in the studio. Wow, a guest host. <laughs> Holy cow. I guess my community service is up. <laughs> uh, but we are going to interview our good friend, Mr. Eric Haynes, is also the subject of today's episode. Very lucky to get him. He's a very busy man. He is very busy. Someday nice. you might be able to guest host, Eric. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, upgraded. <laughs> We're special because he lives like an hour away. And yeah. It's tough. He has to drive through the city to get here. Yeah. Eric is he's a comedian. He's a musician. He's a... Artist, a juggler, one man band. Uh, He does essentially a little bit of everything. I think I'm. I don't know when I met you first. I think I met you Uh, was you were busking outside Seattle Center, and I was going in. I was doing comedy for Bite of Seattle. Yeah, that's what I I remember. You were busking, and I just walked by. I stopped and talked to you because I saw juggling equipment. Yeah, and Louis. The first time I met him was at an open mic. He was one of the only people there that I thought really connected with the audience and seemed natural. Everybody else seemed kind of. Forced. Yeah. So. But now, now I'm forced and unnatural. No mas natural. I'm just meeting Eric now. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be in a duo and we competed against you in, I think, a comedy competition. And you. Yeah, Las Vegas comedy Las competition. Las Vegas comedy competition. Mm-hmm. And Eric beat the beat our pants off. He did a, 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 his stalker song, which you I don't, did the stalker you song, don't right? do anymore. It's a, right. But it's a, a comedy music song. And wow. It was great. He crushed. In Las Vegas. No, this was a was a this the, is a giggles. It's a giggles was, comedy where the, club where in, the contest was, and then if you went through that round, then you went to the Las Vegas Comedy Festival. You guys had been there before, yeah. And I came in, and the guy who ran it, Terry, the thing on the website said that they would have sound hookups and everything. I said, hey, I need to plug into your system. And he walked away from me and finally turned and said, no, I, I don't allow anybody to plug into the system. And Matt came to my rescue because he had a speaker there. And I said, can I use your speaker? He said, sure, man. Here, go ahead. Had he and known I, now. I know. <laughs> my one big regret in life. Yeah. Was <laughs> handing him the keys that would then... <laughs> eliminate us from the competition. <laughs> but I've owed him ever since. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Montana. Mm-hmm. Was there a big comedy scene in Montana coming no. up? No. Um, there's uh, one room it, that uh, David Tribble used to book mm-hmm. downtown. But mm-hmm. when I was started doing performing, I wasn't doing comedy. I was doing juggling acts. Mm-hmm. So I would book myself to do juggling or sing for a wedding or a funeral or put together a little variety show. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Same song. There's exactly one song the that song. works. There's one song that works. And Weddings and funerals. That's right, and it's Here I Am. Rock me like a hurricane. <laughs> what would you sing at a funeral? It'd be stuff like... like quiet, quiet, uh, quiet, 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 oh, 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 yeah. Most like hymnals. 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 Yes, yeah, sometimes Mostly hymns dead. or... We do the <laughs> Grateful Dead songs. Yeah, a lot of Grateful Scarlet Dead. Scarlet Begonias. <laughs> He's like, all right, now we're going to take a 15-minute instrument break. <laughs> In Agata Vida. Yeah. Would you do religious songs? Like yes. Sad songs, that kind of thing? You Not the you. one-man band stuff. You'd play your guitar. No, I didn't have a one-man band at that time. I didn't have a guitar. So I would hire Jody Marshall, who would be my accompanist, or Nita Hamilton. They were two piano players in Missoula. And you would sing whatever they wanted them to. So like, I remember doing one where a lady lost her husband. They had a favorite song. as was Irving Berlin, How Deep is the Ocean? So I sang that. And, and then you slipped cried. in all by myself? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> all by myself. Don't wanna be. Um, and, and that was it. So I would get hired to do all kinds of different things. Did singing telegrams. Did, I was the the mascot for KYLT radio station. So I had a red chicken suit with uh, yellow tights and red converse and i would yeah, run around and be obnoxious that, <laughs> <laughs> that would be kylt radio station and yours truly if you want that gig and how I old were you up. at this time when you're uh, sort of doing all these different types of uh the juggling and unicycling was i learned to juggle in 1981 and then that sort of snowballed and i kept on doing that throughout um the singing and stuff probably about the time i just graduated from high school is when i started doing singing telegrams i was still doing juggling shows um, I was going to school for performing, for the performing arts. Did in in 1981, Matt was trying to learn how to get out of his mother's. That's uh, true. I was, <laughs> so, and a... he was already a better juggler than me. <laughs> and Eric, you don't really come from a performing background. No, I come from, no. A, I come from a, a family that's very, very conservative. We were business owners and everything. So, you know, it's a... Uh, your, your dad's a judge? My dad is a federal judge. Wow. He's retired now, but he, he was a partner in a law firm. And my mom sold Mary Kay Cosmetics. And my grandfather had a chain of wholesale grocery stores uh, called Haynes Wholesale Grocery. And this is all in Missoula? It's all in Missoula. Well, the the wholesale grocery went up into Columbia Falls, Kalispell, Arlie, all up and down there. So they did wholesale grocery and they would go and supply all these stores all up and down. What was was the thing that you were expected to become was there something that your parents not what i became i know i, know, I think i think all of us are like Post, that but we are the poster boys of, yes but what was school, what was your parents do something anything no not that we're the asterisk <laughs> we were hoping for anything off the top shelf Did not work. I like, i'm like most performers i heard a lot of when are you going to take a when are you going to take some real classes yeah. when are you going to get a real job you know me juggling in my backyard my dad who's a tax attorney is thinking that there's got to be something that's more sophisticated you can't have his son running around looking like this it's unbecoming yeah but then his clients and friends started hiring me to do birthday parties and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so then it ended up being a little bit more acceptable i don't think it was completely acceptable until you realized that i could actually make a real living doing it i think that's the case with most parents though i think they're sort of fearful that there's this isn't something that can sort of you can make a living off of until they realize oh yeah you can make a shit ton of money. Yeah. 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 I think there's a there's a more or less a normal curve to most parents for like that. Unless you're in a circus family where everybody is expected to go circus and you teach your kid 10 different acts and you're you're expecting that one of them is going to click and they're really going to want that. That's a different mentality entirely. It's very interesting to be a part of that community and hear them talk. Yeah. Cuz it's yeah. it's a totally different mindset. I broke than my parents' a... heart. I became a tax attorney. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> exact opposite. Right? But when they exactly. asked me to start doing their taxes, I was <laughs> back in. That's right. <laughs> you grew up in a cons- somewhat conservative family, right? Yep. Was there was there a point in your childhood that you were exposed to like art or theater that just it clicked? Was there something that really you resonated with that you know made you go, "I want to do that." Yeah, like did you see a show yeah. or like when when did all this happen? When did all these interests you get dropped start? on your head? Yeah. There's a good chance I was dropped on my head. Um the 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 whole thing for being interested especially in movement things like if I saw uh, Ben Vereen on TV and he's doing tap dancing and singing, I saw anything that was a circus act or I saw something that had a lot of movement, cartoons, anything like that, I was really attracted to it. But a lot of kids are. So that yeah. didn't. that's not too far out of the, the ordinary. I had one entire summer where I had this little thing that looked kind of like a weasel and I put 
uh, a puppet and I put uh, sunglasses and the floppy hat on him and I walked around with that on my hand practically every day <laughs> for like three <laughs> three months during the summer. How old are you? This would be about probably 10 or 11 years old. Oh, okay. Okay. So that was, that was Clyde. That was my puppet. And uh, he had a little guitar that I made him. I made him a little electric guitar so he would, you know, wow. would talk and everything. Of course and Clyde I, plays electric, not of acoustic. Course, of course. And I did voices all the time. I was Clyde very, the slide. It's, and now I have a dog named Clyde. So Aww. it all comes full circle. Did you carve him too? I did. <laughs> I did. He's imaginary, like my family. <laughs> For me, when I saw Reverend Chumley perform at UW Street Fair, it was just like this whole world completely opened up for me. Was it just more of an evolutionary thing for for you? I think it was a little bit slower burn than that. I mean, I wasn't necessarily afraid of being, I was pretty shy, but it wasn't that I was afraid of being in front of people. Like we did a musical at church because I sang in church choir. I didn't sing in in choir in, in grade school or high school, but I did sing in church choir. And so I was I had no problem standing up and singing and, and doing a part there and everything. Like I said, I was insecure, so I would, in, rather than using my regular voice, I would do impressions of other people or do dialects and just talk. And you'd always hear me switching into different voices. It was just kind of a, a thing that I did. Again, that has to be with, had to do with being insecure. So I was the weird kid as far as that was concerned because mm, I, was, I was a little bit quirky. Yeah. There wasn't anything that was a springboard where I went. I saw this one show and all of a sudden I decided I needed to be a performer. It was more of a thing where, uh, no, this is just a thing I do. Um, so when I learned to juggle, um, I was self-taught. I think I had seen the Flying Karmatsa brothers on uh, the Mike Douglas show. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really cool. I thought juggling was cool. But there wasn't anything that... I could learn from. So I had to teach myself and figure out the pattern in my own backyard. And then after I learned, I did everything wrong. So it took me a long time. So once I had that, then I had a huge uh, amount of dedication to it because it had been so difficult to learn. And then I taught everybody else how to juggle. So in the band room at lunch, if you were in my high school, you'd walk in and there'd be probably 15, 20 people juggling in the band room and playing instruments and everything else because that was my peer group. That was the group that I identified with. So most of my friends were in band or journalism, and the band room is where we hung out at lunch. You also create a lot of your own, not only your instruments, but the uh, your uh, you carved puppets and that sort of thing. This uh-huh. sort of independence must have been from the very beginning. Yeah, I always had an interest in art, so I would always sit and draw things, and that was what I was interested in. And then I got good feedback from it because I would draw something and people thought it was good, so... But that was it. And then I went, uh, when I went to college, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was looking at being an art major, drama major, or a music major. And I knew that I looked it up and 75% of all work in theater was in musical theater. Mm-hmm. And I knew that mm-hmm. I, when I had taken a dance class, I liked the dance class. It was very difficult for me. I couldn't remember the sequence. And I knew that that was my real weak area. So I started taking a lot of dance classes and I ended up getting a degree in that because I had so many classes under my belt at that point because it was this thing I was the worst at. I would get hired every once. So I think it happened three times when I was in college where I got hired under the table because they were so had a big emphasis on theater being this sort of artsy fartsy thing where it was one entire semester was doing yoga in your underwear. Solid. Um, in theory, I guess, to make people have less inhibitions. I didn't yeah. have any inhibitions. 
I, if they had said drop your pants, I would have said fine. So For the class, they kept saying, Eric, put the underwear on. <laughs> put the underwear on. <laughs> keep <laughs> it on. Keep it on. Do yoga in your underpants. In your underwear. <laughs> yeah. So, but that kind of thing, um, I decided that it really wasn't for me because I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. And when I did do things, it was never an objective thing. It was always very subjective to what the teacher thought I should be doing. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to take the things that I'm, that I can have something concrete in. So dance was it. And then they would hire me to audition because they needed somebody who could sing, dance, and act. And their actors didn't always have those. They didn't have the right people that they needed for those roles. And so I got hired two or three times doing that. What school did you go to? University of Montana? University of Montana. Out of college, you did you go theater, then comedy? Or was it just all sort of at once? Or I went to school doing a lot of stuff with music for trumpet and trombone and baritone, and then a lot of dance, and also was in the chamber chorale, so I was singing a choir. We went to Europe in 1986 with that. And then in 86... I chamber corral in Montana meant something completely <laughs> no, no. It was really good, good group. They go back to Vienna every two years, I think. Wow. Something wow. like that. Um, but, the, uh, but then when I got back from Europe, then I went to see the circus for Circus Gaddy, and they asked people to tear down afterwards. And so I helped tear down, and they said, hey, if you want to join us, you, you were really helpful, just join us in Helena. So I, my dad drive me to Helena to join the circus. For wow. For tear, most for most people have to run away with the circus. <laughs> yeah. Your dad dropped you off. <laughs> yeah, dropped me He's off. like, I'll see you in a couple years. <laughs> yeah, and he was... Uh, you, you want, I'll introduce was, you to your new brother. <laughs> there's two moments that uh, really, I think, were a hard time for my dad to stomach. The first was buying me tights. Going to, the, going to the mall to buy tights for his son for dance classes. And the other one was dropping his son off in the circus. Those are both really tough, tough rows to hoe. And then I was, I toured with that show for two months. We went all over. We, we did, um, I took a six foot unicycle and some juggling equipment. And I did a lot of talking to the people because I wanted to find out if I wanted to try to pursue that as uh-huh. a career. I rode in spec in Las Vegas. So I just did a six foot unicycle and juggling around for the, the parade at the beginning of the circus. And then we packed up. It was like 115 degrees in Las Vegas. And then it was, I think, like a 36-hour drive where you're sleeping in the back of a semi-truck during the drive as a prop man. Then up into Canada where they'd break out Celotex and they'd lay it on all the hockey arenas so that the elephants wouldn't slip. Mm. And then you'd unload your elephants into that. I like safety first with the elephants. Yeah. So that was going from hyper-intellectual Vienna where you're seeing the original artwork in Vienna. Yeah. To I'm working as a prop man with guys that may or may not have completed sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were hard workers and everything, but it was it was a very big shift. And I got called college boy and had a lot of sort of... Not, uh, not as a compliment. Not as a compliment either. No. Don't. I got bullied because I had a college degree. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, this is before I had a college degree. And then after, then toured for Missoula Children's Theater, got married, toured for two years with my wife with Missoula Children's Theater, and then went back to school to finish my degree. Finished my degree and then left and started doing comedy right after that. Well, it's interesting to know you because you're one of the few people I know that excels at a lot of different sort of genres. Like yeah. you, you're a great comedian. You're a great musician. You're a great singer. You're a great writer, a great idea guy. I mean, you, your ability to make things and your you vision. You make all your props. And you're yeah. your amazing artist. And the, the fact that you are able to apply all of these things to your show because normally like 
one person learns a specific skill like juggling or magic and then they sort of rest on their laurels they sort of that's kind of your rut they stick to that genre you sort of carved out a really interesting unique way to sort of implement all these different things into what you do and it's awesome because i'm too cheap to hire it out (laughs) which also explains the four-hour shows yeah (laughs) excuse me while i carve this so i can perform with it whittling with eric no this is going somewhere (laughs) stick with me you're gonna be here a while i could hurt myself anybody got a file to sharpen one of my chisels And so the one I like, I've most recently seen you develop the one man band, which right. is, uh, I think that's mo- the, your newest sort of. Pretty much. So, so I, I uh, put that together in 2010. I've been kind of collecting parts for a mm. while and finally got it together and, and made it work. But you also, so the one man band developed, but really I think what makes it unique is that your songwriting most of your um, act now is original songs that you play is right that, when you uh when you're at the fair you'll play a few standards but most of your act now are is songs that you are for my stage for. show it's all original music so if i'm doing I, i've got about 45 minutes of original music so it, usually for the stage show if i'm doing a combination of juggling a one-man band it'll be about uh 20 minutes of one man band stuff and then another 10 minutes it's the variety finishing with Giuseppe the monkey um, if I'm doing uh, stuff where I'm roving then that's other people's songs usually and then I'll put in a couple of mine every once in a while but uh, yeah all the stage show stuff is all mine it's all songs that I've written myself um, the exception I think I do one brief parody of she'll be coming around the mountain as a Seattle folk song and they're all solid songs. They're yeah. all well-written, well... Yeah, they seem to work the best because they were written for the one-man band and the way it's set up so that the stops and pauses and honks and squeaks all kind of work. Yeah. It's written for that. So it's a little bit different than trying to adapt it from It's a very song. stylized kind of song. You were uh, Spike Jones, I think. Was yeah, I love Spike Jones. Yeah, early influence. You can tell because a lot of the, the musicality of your songs are the not just accentuated but the honking of the horn and that is it are integral parts uh, almost storytelling with those kind of things yeah it's not something to distract from the song it's actually part of the song is there uh, any stories that you have like along the way or performing that sort of stand out as what's the one story that you want to like hang weird or something that you like or like oh man you're not going to believe this like this happened at a show or uh, just kind of your standard weird stuff uh, that it's <laughs> just your run of the mill run of the mill standard. Yeah, we're standard. <laughs> we're on page with that. I'm looking around the room though, and I've got a juggler, two magicians who've all done been stranger places than I have. But it's it's normal stuff. I, like I, being, I just want to break this down real quick. The side of the table with Matt and Eric, both duos that became solos and both juggle. This side here, both singles Can't that do get magic along with anybody. <laughs> We are not team players on this side of the table. I used to be, but now I'm a one-man band. That's right. The two, yeah, the, the two-man band broke up. Yeah, I got all the rhythm sections. It took me a long time to really write material. You had, uh, well, like when you're on the road doing stand-up comedy, wacky stuff probably, but you're also at the fairs, I mean, right. with just... Okay, wacky. well, here's, here's an example of what would be a normal thing. It's not that weird. It's just... 
what it, a normal part of doing the thing. I've caught on fire before. All right, hold um, on. This is in the show, or is this just in a show? So I was doing just a regular was doing a thing. This is in college. I'm doing a show downtown where I'm eating fire and blowing fire table to table, and I was using <laughs> doing strolling fire. Strolling fire. Do you want that yeah. steak charred? <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me warm that up for you. <laughs> Your little tea light went out. <laughs> I would do the uh, kebab uh, restaurant. <laughs> circus the night. It was circus night at the Carousel Lounge, and so oh. they had me coming in and doing that. So I think it, if I remember right, I did still walking and fire eating and fire blowing and i i was using and you're not supposed to use this isopropyl alcohol so i'm filling my mouth with isopropyl alcohol and blowing it into a flame no that uh, by then i think i had switched over to everclear so it's a wonder i still have my eyesight to this day <laughs> but everclear blowing fire and eating fire and some went on the outside of my neck i caught on fire uh slapped it out it was wearing grease paint so yeah. finished my set then went to so the it was a grease fire 45 minutes later <laughs> And they scrubbed it out, first and second degree burns on my neck. Um, they wrapped my wow. neck with this big gauze bandage. And uh, and so the next day, people were saying, what happened to you? Because I had this big thing wrapped all the way around my neck. And I said, oh, I fell off my unicycle. I broke my neck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I caught on fire. <laughs> then I Thanks walked you, around Josh. for a week singing, I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. Oh, I'm on fire. I think that... Uh, burning uh, down the house. I think that a uh, I think that a, a fire eater should have like patches of like like bandages and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It helps sell the like. He's like, this <laughs> is from the circus night at the at the corral restaurant. <laughs> this one's from the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> they say a scar is a tattoo with better stories. <laughs> this, yeah, this one's my my abusive dad. <laughs> Set yourself on fire. Okay, is that going the resume? Probably. Uh, I was in Minnesota one time doing a show, and somebody found a frozen walleye outside because people do ice fishing. And so they handed it to me to juggle while on the six-foot unicycle. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, did you do it? Could you walleye. do it? I did it. <laughs> I did it not very well, but uh, for a few throws and then tossed wow. it back to him. <laughs> Catch and release. release. I had to give it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, that same place another night, I, I did this this song called Napweed, where I would come out dressed as a bee and I would sing this opera song that I wrote called Napweed. And I would have an audience volunteer um, with this big green sort of conehead helmet on with a uh, with a purple spiky flower. I still they, do this. They number would just show one. up to your show every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just different. Different lady pull her out of the audience, take her behind a screen, have the thing, have a dialogue that goes on, and then I would come out and I would sing this opera song, and then this lady would come out and she'd be dancing around. And this particular night, everybody got drunk, and two guys got in a fist fight during the opera part of the show so oh, nice. kept on Apropos singing of all kept on singing I love yeah. that your show has an opera section <laughs> yeah and a fighting section yeah. <laughs> when they're the same <laughs> opera fighting that sounds like a new sport whole channel devoted to that wow so you still so do really this? nothing weird about your show <laughs> no. I was well, in a bee put costume it in, put it in the context of normal for what was going on in the show at the time I guess you know I mean, how many one man bands are there out there I know, I know of like three myself they're well for, for working like in the fair circuit where people are working full time and that's all they do um, there's not very many there's I know the the four that I know of who work the fair circuit um, I'm sure there are more out there and there's a couple that I know like down in San Francisco where they just do busking and they I've tried to give this one guy gigs I've said hey listen there's somebody in Los Angeles who wants a one-man band for a birthday party you can charge him a huge amount and he says no I just do busking, busking I'm not yeah. interested in gigs at all is there one-man band conventions 
There are every once in a while. Um, <laughs> it's nine you dudes. Go, <laughs> yeah. You have to go one at a time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're individual one-man band <laughs> conventions. Crazy. Take place over a, a bat- month. A battle one of day, the one-man one bands. That's right. <laughs> There's a convention in uh, London that takes place every once in a while. I think it's once a year where they all get together, and there's like uh, 15 different one-man bands, and I can I can send you a link to, to show you that. There, I was part of a one-man band show that was down at uh, a bar in Seattle, and they had uh, there's some other one-man bands out there, but they're sit-down type one-man bands. Uh, Steel Beans is one, a couple other ones, but but mostly it was uh, people who do uh, sit-down deal. They've got drums, they've got a guitar, yeah, yeah, and it's a little bit different. Do you ever <laughs> see somebody like you're 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 playing, you're marching, all that kind of stuff to play all these instruments, and a guy pulls out an iPhone, he has a one-man band app. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did have a kid come up to me and go, uh, there's two two, of the, two quotes that I like. One kid came up to me and said, uh, that's the best guitar hero I've ever seen. <laughs> and another kid came up to me and go, why don't you just get an iPod? You're like, have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. This is iPod first generation. <laughs> did my wife kids, send you? Your your kids <laughs> just have no idea how... <laughs> How far this is advanced. <laughs> this is how we used to listen to music. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, thanks for sending. You want to stick around and get to a story? Do a story with us? Sure. All right. get to some weird news all right this story comes from bustle.com that's a news source more reliable than a building inspector showing up on time to approve a project okay (laughs) very specific all right so this story is specific to you eric it's a whole article written about uh your performance that you do yearly at the seatac airport and you you perform in the early mornings at and the early airport. morning at the airport. Yep. Yeah. So usually six to ten, and then this year I'll be there in the afternoons as well. The title makes it sound like it's going to be a negative story, but it actually is kind of positive, right? Yep. So the story goes: this one man positive in the way that an STD <laughs> test comes back positive. <laughs> <laughs> this one man band in the Seattle airport makes us incredibly sad for some reason. I reached my goal. Thank you. <laughs> Your art makes people feel. <laughs> you're trying to, you know, you're trying to knock people down from their holiday cheer. You know, despite all the odds of the holiday season, I wanted people to be just horribly sad. So I've achieved that goal. On to better things. <laughs> it's a tough gig. I've done that gig before at the airport. You get there really early, and the reason they bring in artists is to sort of. This pretty crazy at the airport around the holiday season. People are stressed. And um, so they bring in these performers to do just little miniature shows, walk around. And it's a good it's a good thing. I've done it, but it is a tough gig. You got to get yeah. there early. And mm-hmm. not everyone is sort of expecting you to be performing. <laughs> <laughs> True. So it's a little bit of a, a jolt. And everyone you've done it, Steve, right? Uh, yeah, it's a um, it's an interesting gig because it's, your, you know, people are obviously crazy trying to get in and everything. And then all of a sudden you got a guy with a flying carpet right in front of you you're trying to get to the gate he's like hey (laughs) all right so the story goes you know how they're always telling us in airports if you see something say something well occasionally there are sites in in airports for which there are no words and that would those sites would be like a happy tsa agent (laughs) 100 percent on time (laughs) 
hey, that's good food. <laughs> or the crying baby not being seated next to me for the entire flight. Well, they do say, if you see something, say something. But who are you supposed to say something to? They never are specific about that. Santa Claus. <laughs> you write a letter. Santa you write a letter to Santa, Santa Claus. Santa. I usually text my wife, you will not believe what I just saw. <laughs> Well, it's like the Ghostbusters. Like, you know, you know you're supposed to call them, but you don't know what their number is. 100 Ghostbusters. Oh, is that what it is? I don't know. Hey, sounded sound good, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that, Matt. Is it one eight, Is that really? Is it 1-800? Oh. I, I know. Yeah. It's 1-800. Yeah. You know, no, 1-800 mix a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was in the 80s. I thought it was uh, eight six seven five three zero nine. So for what it's worth, 800-555-2368 is the Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's not in the song. Wait, it, it says, who are you going to call? It doesn't say what you're going to call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey Siri <laughs> I found 10 different ghost agencies in, th- in your location Ghostbusters did you mean ghost mustard <laughs> goats buster <laughs> Siri can I talk to your mom <laughs> I sure remember <laughs> alright so uh, the person and I'm not talking your usual airport fare of toddler meltdowns or drunk newlyweds with excessive honeymoon PDA Although I kind of wish I was because this video of a one-man band singing Christmas carols in SeaTac somehow makes me much sadder. Now, are you specifically in your contract it's Christmas carols or could you be singing whatever you want? No, it's pretty much it's holiday theme. Okay. Because when I'm there, I'm not holiday themed. (laughs) (laughs) He's not singing like, wade in the water. Just sing like Rekka Edmund Fitzgerald, like just disaster songs. <laughs> or I could, you know, kind of bust into Led Zeppelin or Puddle of Mud. Yeah. I don't know if that would be appropriate for the airport, though. Have but it, they do have other, you have other bands and stuff that are playing during the day that are not playing Christmas songs generally. That's true, so yeah. That's different. But I'm you, mostly, I'm, I'm holiday. You're like, do you recognize this? It's a theme song from Alive about the plane crash. Yeah, I know. I got, the, I got to. I think, the, I think the theme song is just the sounds of planes <laughs> crashing, isn't it? <laughs> playing you're playing yeah so what is even sadder than that is a quick stalking of his website indicates that his shift doing this takes place at the gruesome hours of 6 a.m to 10 a.m aka the hours when everybody in the airport is essentially dead inside and unable to appreciate anything that isn't caffeinated this is someone that clearly hasn't been at the airport at 3 p.m where everyone is still dead inside Mm mm-hmm Yeah, this person's writing. I can't say I'm a huge fan. (laughs) You know what? That writing makes me sad. (laughs) Makes you dead inside. It does. The man in question is Eric Haynes, who not only composes and performs songs for his one-man band, but walks on stilts, performs comedy acts, juggles, and even embarked on an impressive mission this year to draw one picture six days of every week. Well, it's weird that that is not the first reaction I normally have when I see sad things is go to their website. Yeah. <laughs> gotta go check this out. I don't know. I've, I've gone to a lot of websites. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is, this is, this is torturous. I gotta check it out more. Your first date, I, I gotta call this guy's mother (laughs) (laughs) what it does not reveal on his website though is when he sleeps now i've roomed with eric on the road before he sleeps between 402 a.m and 413 (laughs) a.m that's right (laughs) it's a solid 11 because because he's so asleep so busy uh 
upkeeping all the things that he does in his show. <laughs> all, all I hear all night is. <laughs> <laughs> you look like he's polishing every part of the one man band session. It takes him all night. Well, I keep waking up because when I roll over, then you know part of the one man band clanks or honks or something. People don't realize that's surgically implanted in my back. You know, it's just like it's there's parts of my spine that have little pieces of metal that stick out, and that's what everything's hooked onto. <laughs> Snails look at you and go, "Dude, take it down a notch." Yeah, it's, it's genetic. As a human being and former Seattle resident, uh, see they overstepped there. They assumed I was a human being. That's a common mistake. As a human being and former Seattle resident who has been to SeaTac many a time, oh, it's oh, the author. I can attest to how dreary it is to stroll through their halls at the butt crack of dawn, which is why I especially feel for poor Eric, who must have people just walk past him without a second glance all the time. Thus, my sadness at this video. Which Here's is why he carries around a one man. <laughs> <laughs> now nobody can ignore him. <laughs> ignore me, will yeah. you? <laughs> they might not make eye contact, but they know he's there. Yeah. <laughs> There should be a video of you trying to, like, get into a bathroom stall with that rig on. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what's going on over there? Oh, just, I'm just tuning up. <laughs> the acoustics in here are awesome. <laughs> Can I ask what no- people's number one reaction at the airport is when they see you? I have a lot of people run up to me, especially now that I've been doing it for several years, who say that they have seen me there before. And uh, a lot of people just, you know, a lot of cameras come out. It's just like doing a fair gig yeah. where everybody comes out to, to kind of look at it. Every once in a while, I get somebody who's, who's you know, with their feet crossed in the back. And it's obviously that they really hate the holidays and they're trying to sleep or pretend to sleep. Yeah. Go by. But besides that, everybody else is pretty bothered. Do you ever get that where you, you're walking through the terminal and there's people sleeping and be like, dude, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the first year, one of the first things when the... The video came out for for this because this was a passenger video and it went viral. It got mm. over a million hits and Time Magazine picked it up. And so that's the reason that it spread to like this article and stuff is because a lot of people saw it. And so like the comment section on that was, I'm a mother and this is the same thing as rape. I can't believe wow. that this guy would come through and think of the children and all this thing. So it's all the Reddit people. All wait, the Reddit wait, Fedora how do you people. play this one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But all, all the, the Reddit Fedora people came out, and they, they have this thing where they troll really heavily. And so all the posts that they did were trolls where they mm. were you know playing a character and, and being as insulting as they could. The general reaction is the same reaction that you see that I get at a fair. So yeah. it's, it's not negative when I'm going by. Well, I've been to the airport, I think, three or four times in the morning, and I've seen you there mm-hmm. around Christmas time. And it's always awesome because you're my friend. But also, I think it's awesome to see people at the airport doing stuff. And and it's not it's not just like you're playing guitar singing a folk song. You're like it's like it's a spectacle. Well, well, especially at the Seattle airport where they have they hire musicians to come in and play play their sets, and they have them yeah. spread out across. So it's kind of cool that you're roaming around and sort of. But it's it, the perfect. Every airport should have that. What a perfect place. I mean, you get to the airport two hours early, and you know you're you're through whatever secure. So most time you have like an hour, hour and a half to kill. What a perfect time to provide uh, all these people a little bit of, uh, you know, distraction. Uh, yeah, stuff to, stuff to do. Absolutely. Interesting, to see interesting things at to the, do. At the Paris airport, they so, have uh, PlayStations like, with flat <laughs> screens that you can play, like, video games and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Well, one of the things I've learned doing the airport gig is everyone, there are two kinds of people at the airport. People with a crap ton of time or people with no time. And everyone behaves like they have no time even if you have 
hours to kill, they're always watching their watch, and they always feel like they got to be somewhere. That's non-season travelers. Yeah. So you people travel a bunch. I mean, I'll roll in the airport half an hour before my flight yeah. and, and be on it. Well, that's the thing. is like I usually go to the airport an hour ahead of time, and I still have plenty of time yeah. to just like get food or hang out, like sit down and have a coffee. But so, then when I travel with my wife and dot, my wife's like, we got to be there two hours before. And I'm like, do we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I saw this at the, uh, I think it was a Pittsburgh airport, had a festival that was going on. And so I got a chance to be on the other end of this. They had mummers going along where one guy had a, a full-size base that he had on a strap. What, wait, what's a mummer? A mummer is just people who dress in kind it's a of British funky, mummy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> where they have like, uh, I don't know, just kind of odd costumes uh-huh. and stuff. And they, they go around and they play stuff. So like one guy had a banjo, another guy had a bass, and, and they were walking along as a group. doing what I do at the airport, walking along as a strolling music act. And they had some other things. They had caricature artists. I got my caricature down there. Um, So a lot of the different things that you would see normally as a roving thing at a fair were at that airport. And it was freaking awesome. Yeah. Because every other airport is just boring. Maybe they they should have more um, indigenous entertainment. Like uh, at the TSA, they should have like a a gallery. You sit up there and and then you like judge who's going to get screened. (laughs) You should have (laughs) yelled comments. They got an announcer like, all right, up next we have the bearded man. (laughs) Here comes a turban. The odds are coming in right now. Here here comes a white guy with dreadlocks (laughs) with a hemp backpack. Well, I think it's Billings. The coffee shop at the Billings Airport overlooks T- uh, TSA. Yeah, yeah, it does. I had a blast. Yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah. that with myself. How, how much fun would that be? You could have like write cards, you like scorecard and stuff. <laughs> they, you have odds on the board. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> like three to one odds on this guy. Wait, you better search that suitcase again. I know you didn't find what you're looking for. <laughs> that belt buckle not set it off. Because <laughs> they have the windows where you can look out and see the, you know, the planes park or whatever it yeah. is. But, you know, have the other places, have the, the windows go the other way where you can watch people race because they're super yeah. late and well there are there are some places like miami airport has an art gallery that you can walk around and see art and like you know charlotte has the piano players with all the airplanes in the sort of corridors charlotte also has a whole row of rocking chairs yeah 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 there are some airports that sort of recognize that there's people that are there for an extended yeah. period of time and that they need something to do and i think it's cool that they bring you in every year yeah that's too should be year round. <laughs> All right. So this author continues, at least the party responsible for the video that got snapped of him yesterday appreciated the holiday cheer he was spreading with his one man rendition of Jingle Bell Rock and his impressively decked out instruments. Besides, no matter what Eric does, it will never look quite as lonely as this guy shamelessly singing all by himself in the middle of the Las Vegas airport. And it links to a video of a dude just singing, singing poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, people are treating it the same as you, though. (laughs) They're just sort of walking by. Uh, So it continues. If you are looking for some Christmas cheer, look no further than this snippet. And if you happen to be traveling early in the morning at SeaTac sometime in the next three days, which is around Christmas time, make sure you give this man a smile. Aww. I feel better. And it's, it has your rig. It has your one-man rig. It, and your rig has Christmas lights on it. you got your top hat. And it's it's awesome. It's great. Although, like, all the businesses you're passing are closed. <laughs> <laughs> they were open before I got there. <laughs> they see Eric coming. They start pulling down the jeans. into a wasteland. It's like they're getting ready for a zombie apocalypse. Here comes that guy again. Close the doors. Don't let him in, whatever you do. They had a few that didn't close, like the uh, tumbleweeds uh, (laughs) concession stands. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen at an airport? 
Flying out of Kodiak, Alaska. So in Kodiak, they have a lot laxer rules, or they used to, for what you could ship. So I'm in Kodiak, and uh, this I see this garbage can, and it's got some black visqueen over it and a moose leg sticking out. So they just yeah. took the back haunch of the moose and they taped it in. And then we were talking about who they'd search at, a, at an airport. There were these two guys with shaved heads, looked tough, looked a little mean, white guys. So who do they search? 85-year-old grandmother with a walker. <laughs> ah, that makes that? sense. All right. So how do you feel overall about this? What was this woman trying to get at? She's kind of a weird way of getting to like, hey, this is a good thing. She yeah, kind of she framed was it a oddly. Passive aggressive way of saying yeah. that she enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like how she sort of. Framed you know what it, it reminded me of is the passive aggressive thing. It's it can it can also be a sign of something else. Like my son, when he was little, he was about four years old. He was eating a chocolate donut. He took a bite and he was sitting there and he had a tear coming out of his eye. And my wife says, "What's wrong?" And he says, "I don't know when I'm going to have another." <laughs> so somebody who's gone, I really enjoy this, but I can't really enjoy it right now because I'm thinking about when it's gone or something. I don't know. That's the impression I get of it. Existential airport. Yeah. <laughs> you can go places, I'm but so you, really, sad you that don't have to leave the building. Yeah. <laughs> can we? I want to read some comments on this real quick. Go for it. One million views, 5,000 thumbs up, 146 thumbs down. Oh, boo. Can we look at the thumbs down ones? No, it's just... Oh, I just disliked it on accident. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 148. <laughs> I, think found, I think we found the reason. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> poor, poor hand, poor motor skills. <laughs> Eric's career is destroyed because somebody has poor motor skills. This man needs to be banned from all airports and his instruments confiscated. That's a right. Do, do people don't ask there like, like the common question, the joke question is like. How did you get through security? Exactly. Yeah. Well, first that? year, I don't know if you remember that. First year, I think first couple of years, I did a unicycle act where I had a rocket on my back. And so everybody really did ask, how did you make it through security? And I had one uh, TSA agent stop me and go, is the rocket functional? I went, no, <laughs> no it's, it's a tube. It's PVC. No, what in my pocket is. <laughs> Someone wrote, beats the pants off the last one-man band I saw in an airport bathroom playing the skin flute. <laughs> <laughs> that made me sad too. That made me very sad, disturbed. Aw, most people are very positive. Well, what's funny is after the initial trolls and a bunch of people came to my defense. Yeah, this one's good. Unbelievable to think a man would verbally abuse the ears of these poor people. This is way out of line and needs to be righted. But of course, a man would do something like this. As a male promoter of female rights, I will change the ways of this misogynistic male culture. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, pretty intense. Wow, you're so polarizing, Eric. <laughs> we live on the edge. <laughs> you do the uh, controversial act of one man band. Yeah. All right, this is good. I like it. And now, it's time for Strange Stories from the Time Capsule with Dr. Henry. History's shortest war was between England and Zanzibar. It lasted only 38 minutes. (laughs) 
So that's it for today's episode. We want to thank Steve Hamilton for sitting in as a guest interviewer. Thank you. This is the best gig I've ever had. <laughs> you can check him out at funnysteve.com. And of course, we'd like to thank Eric Haynes for coming in and letting us uh, pick your amazing brain. And you can check him out at comedyrocket.com. And you also uh, co-host a podcast, right? Yeah, Tailgate Entertainer Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the fair industry and the interesting characters that populate that world, then check it out, tailgateentertainer.com. And all three of us have been interviewed i believe on yep. that yep. podcast so yep. you can check out those individual I wasn't episodes a guest host on it so I'm you were like the, you were like the second episode man <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's why it's that's pretty big that's pretty big well i'm putting that on my resume now <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much eric for sitting in with us and uh, hopefully it wasn't too painful Oh, it was great. All right. I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> what, your episode? <laughs> Just my episode. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, folks. Have a weird week. We are out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Odd and Offbeat podcast. Stay weird. This episode is sponsored by having a crush on your fourth grade teacher, then seeing them 15 years later and they are still hot.